joined by Aidan Gibbons, uh, a director at The Mill. Uh, Aidan, what does The Mill do? So The Mill is one of the, one of the world's uh, leading visual effects uh, companies for commercials. Uh, and we have offices in London, New York, LA and Chicago. We primarily work on visual effects work, but uh, more recently we've been involved in uh, the interactive side of things, uh, which has led us into the, uh, the world, uh, the scary world of uh, virtual reality. I suppose we could talk a bit about just how you ended up getting there. And you said you studied at Hertfordshire University. Was that a film degree you did, or? Yes. So uh, I, when I was eighteen, I left uh, Dublin. I was from Temple Oak, and I, I left Ireland and went to the University of Hertfordshire, and uh, I got a degree in um, digital animation, which was a Bachelor of Arts degree. And but I, as far as I know, that was around where Stanley Kubrick worked. So, do they talk about that a lot in the university, or was was that a reason for you going there? For? It is where Stanley Kubrick uh, lived and worked, but um, actually, it wasn't a draw for me. I think I got into his films quite late in the day, actually. Mm. Um, but I mean, you were saying uh, during your talk, two thousand one, a space odyssey had a particular yeah. impact on you. So, I mean, yeah. what, what do you think that particular film did for the medium of film? Like, what kind of advances did it make? I think the thing about Stanley Kubrick is he, he, was, he was a true visionary and, you know, I think it, his stuff, even yesterday we, we had a look at the film The Martian mm. um, in which Ridley Scott was using 2001 as a reference, I mean, which is just, uh, which is just amazing. Um, there's something about that film which, uh, to me, every, every frame, you can take a still frame from that film and almost put it on your wall. And I've seen that in the Sugar Club. Actually, they 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 do have just a wall that is just single frames from it. Fantastic, yeah, yeah. Virtual reality, like as developing it as a form of entertainment, that that is definitely visionary. So, in terms of how how do you get from doing an animation degree to then sort of seeing that there's this virtual reality technology being developed and thinking, oh, there might be something in this. Like, how how did you discover that? Well, really, it only. It's, it's hit the mill and myself in the last um, couple of years where, you know, there were some devices like the Oculus Rift that were kind of bubbling away and there was lots of interest, uh, lots of interest there. And then the Google Cardboard came out and again, it was still very kind of gimmicky. But I think it was the, the purchase of Oculus and, you know, the big guys getting involved that's really made this, the industry wake up and show us that this is actually a, a new medium. Who, who are some of the big guys? You had said there was sort of tech giants like Facebook and Google, there were the video games companies. Yes. Companies like Red Bull also, if they're doing like promotional so, stuff, there, there's kind of a mix of interest in terms of developing. And so in terms of, in terms of funding, the, on a hardware point of view, you have the people who are making the hardware. So you have Ocu- Oculus who are, who are owned by Facebook. Um, and the HTC Vive again, and the um, uh, the Vive is primarily a games uh, device, mm. and it's driving the games community. But it's w- what I think it's doing there really well is that it's driving people's creativity and how you interact with things. And I think that is a, a key thing in the future of VR. The uh, psychologists have done studies on people playing video games and how like focused they can get you know in the game like that you know you're controlling Crash Bandicoot or whatever smashing boxes and that that's just kind of what you think you're doing and yeah. it's kind of it's just sort of interesting psychological effect it has on people can, can has this been seen in people then putting on headsets and moving through virtual reality environments 
I think it's a bit too early to say that. And to be honest, I think the hardware is still a bit too cumbersome and heavy to allow people to be in a space for anything more than 20 minutes. I think when you put one of these headsets on, you want to kind of get out of there after about 10 minutes. Well, you were showing us uh, footage from Help, uh, a, a short film Justin Lin directed, and this this was shot with like four fisheye lenses in all directions, get a panorama view. So I mean, just yeah. how, how did how did you even develop the technology to get to that stage? So we worked with a company called Bullet, um, because a, a red rig like this didn't exist because um, it's such early days and even today everyone seems to be making their own rigs there's loads of GoPro rigs which are 3D printed etc oh okay and right. um, so we ended up working with Bullet and designing a, a rig for four red cameras and I think Justin wanted to use red cameras because you really get that quality you get the raw footage and it just it feels a bit more filmic than a GoPro mm. And um, so, I mean, someday could could there be a video game situation? Like, I know there are there are places that will do live action role play games where you're moving around like a physical space. But could there be something similar for virtual reality space, or is the kind of rendering for that uh, still off some way? Or I think, it, from a game's point of view, absolutely. And I think when the Sony um, uh, PlayStation VR comes out, we will start to see avatars of other people in your space that you can then go over and interact with. Wow. So I think that actually is is kind of around the corner. For me, the more interesting part is actually seeing filmed content that you can interact with. Mm. Um, but I, I guess that's because I come from a kind of more of a live action and visual effects kind of background. Mm. But I think the tech involved in the games industry is going to inter- help us um, figure out interactivity in the pre-rendered side of things. Um, could you explain why this might not be suitable for a narrative story like a film? I mean, in your talk, you were talking about how a director will, you know, frame something because it's what the it's what they want the audience to focus on. But in a virtual reality environment, you know, the the viewer is free to look around as they wish. So, I mean, I, I just thought it was it was very astute of you to talk about that in terms of uh, film grammar. It's not necessarily transferable to VR if it's. Um, if it's just looking at whatever you want, is it sure? Yes, and I, I, what I talked about in my in my speech was about this frame. You know, as a director, I designed for the frame. You can hide things behind it. You can change the angle. You can change the lens. Mm. You can edit, and that's important for a storytelling. Absolutely, story. and we've gotten used to it. And I, and I, and film is going nowhere. We will keep making films forever. I think. Um, with VR, I think it's when as soon as you realise as a director that all those tools kind of don't work, it comes as quite a shock. And I think that's when now we're trying to figure out how do you tell stories, or even do you tell those stories? Do you tell those linear kind of narrative stories, or do you focus on experiences? And that's where we are today. Is is there a problem with suspension of disbelief? Um, like like you came back to a Renaissance concept called Alberti's Window, which is. Um, um, could you ex- explain that or just how it applies to getting people invested in the idea of VR? So Alberti and his, uh, and his colleagues like Descartes... Um, so this was a Renaissance science around the time of da Vinci, right? Yes, absolutely. And between them, they, they figured out perspective. So uh, linear perspective, um, one point, two point, three points. But they started with one point perspective. And what this meant was that it led the way to more realistic drawings and paintings. And what that led to was more realistic paintings. And what that led to was looking at a picture and instead of seeing the medium, which whether it's a, a painting, oil painting, or even a photograph, 
you are looking at an event and mm. this is uh, something called transparency yeah and you're kind of remembering like the bit of the movie rather than uh, sitting on the couch watching it or being in the cinema watching it there are like moments from a story that will because you kind of forget the frame and you're just seeing what's playing out absolutely and I think um, you know IMAX could be considered in a way a bit of a VR device because it's wrapping around your, your, your cone of vision which really makes you immersed in that world. Well, I was wondering, is IMAX an appropriate comparison to make? Because it, it's that much more expensive to produce. There are only so many cinemas that would have an IMAX screen. Is there going to be a similar situation with VR that like, maybe there will be places people can go and uh, partake in some kind of VR entertainment, uh, but it'll be very specialised and limited? Or, or, is it, or is there some other way VR will develop, in your view? I, I Personally, I, I don't feel that there's a space for, for people to all get together and put on a VR headset, unless it's for an event of some sort. Mm. Um, I think people will get together in the virtual world. So you'll be in, you'll be, you can be at home, you can put out your headset, and in there you can be with a group of other people, a group of your mates, for example. Or did you say uh, the, uh, an example you used was Christmas dinner, and if you have a relative overseas, they could put on a headset and be sitting with you? Absolutely, and I think you know the tech for that is already it's, it's already out pretty much. Um, it, do you think there's consumer tech there's tech ready on a consumer level for those kind of cameras that can capture three sixty? There are some cameras coming out. I so they're on the way. Have, yeah. They are on the way. Um, I know there's definitely one where you you can just put it on the table and it live stream what's going on there. So you can actually just be at an event, and this is an affordable device that you can, you can take anywhere and use. Um, are you opposed to the idea of somebody trying to make a, a VR event people can come to for entertainment purposes and just seeing if there is a market for it? I mean, no, I think, I think it's definitely worth exploring. I mean, like, like anything in VR, it's worth trying out. I mean, it's like a new medium, it's a new frontier, and I'm just kind of, are you in a similar situation to what the Lumiere brothers must have been in, like, when they were introducing films? Like, is there going to be a market for people coming to watch films? Is it kind of, is there anyone kind of looking into market research for what the potential of this technology is? I'm sure there are. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely positive that there's film studios who are investing a lot of money into VR, and we're, we're yet to know what they are are planning for that my, my guess is they're maybe planning on more streaming so streaming uh, cinema content to a headset perhaps hmm. um, but yes I definitely think there is uh, scope in exploring that realm of getting people to an event to enjoy it together I mean you do have experiences such as The Void um, which is essentially you run around a walled uh, park with a gun and you're shooting your mates but <laughs> in the headset those walls are or like an alien ship wall or something like this and that really makes you feel there and it's a 4D experience so when you get shot your chest kind of vibrates so there's a kind of theme park side to it I would totally do that absolutely that sounds like so much fun no I need to do it myself (laughs) Uh, there were two other bits of technology you mentioned then there was Lytro which is the possibility of filming something and then looking around yes uh, I mean this Um, this to me is a little bit uh, of voodoo. I, I'd love to know how they do it, but if you if you check out their website, lightro.com, you can have a look. Is that L-Y-T-R-O? That's or? it, yes. Uh, and they use a light field, um, like something out of Star Trek, to actually, from what I believe, anyway, what I, I can understand... So this is, is you to, guessing without knowing what the patterns of their well, technology are? I kind of, there's a video you can look at, and they kind of explain it, whereby essentially I think they're scanning this space and projecting the image onto the 3D scans which means that you can then look around things and this is all done 
through filmed content. But the, the, the important thing about that is that you have six degrees of movement. So it's not just rotating your head on mm. one axis. You can actually move your head around things. Wow. Which is uh, really special. And what was the other technology you mentioned uh, for Electro? There's a company called Nozon who have created a tool. It's a similar kind of tool, but it's only for a pre-rendered CG. Mm. So um, you're, you're talking fully 100% CG uh, things, but you can actually, again, you can look under things you know you can kind of actually put your head under things okay so is, is that like y-axis is that the correct term it's like you're looking yeah, up and down as well as side to side so you're kind of given a sphere of movement that your head is allowed well, to an entire move. sphere like uh, yeah. all around but, but, wow. but kind of the movement of where your head is basically um so it gives you that experience that you get with the the vive and the new oculus rift where you can actually move and walk around things but you have to remember that those are game engine so these are experiences run on a game's engine uh, I'm talking about either pre-rendered CG, which you know is very expensive thing to render, or live action. Wow. Mm. Um, I suppose one final question, because it's come up a lot over this weekend at the VFX Summit, how important is the intersection between science and art and making sure both are adequately funded and supported? Because you know, often one will lead to advances in the other. Absolutely, and they go hand in hand. And I think... Um, as I mentioned earlier, it'd be great to see the content driving the hardware. So I think we need to be creating content that really pushes the limits and, and only then, you know, the guys making the hardware go, okay, we need to now get better processes in there, get faster processes, better screens in front of our faces. But yes, of course, these hardware companies employ scientists, um, but really, unless the content is good for these devices... Um, the hardware won't get better. Yeah, I mean, you were saying people are putting on headsets, so it better be worth their time focusing on it. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. People put them on just to watch something, you know, to shut out something. I would definitely the do the void, though. Uh, where can I do yes. that? Or I th- That is in, I think, like a, some uh, desert in Los Angeles. I'm not sure. You might have to look that up. I'm going to look <laughs> into that or see if it becomes economical to do it elsewhere. Point being, there is potential for some kind of VR, this VR technology to have some entertainment or personal application in the future. So Absolutely. That sounds like a huge area for potential. Um, mm-hmm. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, th- thank you very much for joining Film Ireland, uh, Aidan Gibbons. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much.